hey, this is Cole. I've got something new to tell you about. If you are a fan of horror-themed games, survival horror games or otherwise, go to hexcrank.com. That is a revival of my old survival horror blog uh, with retrospectives on classic uh, survival horror games, along with kind of video features uh, to correspond with those, uh, some news stories related to horror games, and live streams of weird survival horror games. All of that can be found at hexcrank.com, which is really made possible by our Patreon backers at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. It's also great. I would love it if you went and checked both of those out. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, hear this extra sode. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a embered favorite. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to The Cathedral of the Deep, and you came out in force. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks again to Dave Klein for joining us on the last episode. Uh, we let him go before we did this. His time is very valuable. Um, not that ours isn't. Not that we <laughs> downplay ourselves, but uh, it was very nice of him to uh, yes. to share some time with us. Yeah. And uh, again, the, the standing recommendation, mm-hmm. go check out his stuff. Please do. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get us started here with Take with a little bit of follow-up. Take says via contact. I noticed something funny about Horace's voice actor, Ryan Morris. It says he did a voice for Dark Souls 1, which credits him as the Maiden Knight. Is that Nico? Uh, doesn't Nico and Dark Souls 1 also do the same thing as Horace and only speak in grunts and mutters? It looks like Ryan Morris is the voice actor for Dark Souls 1 the and 2. The voice director. The voice director, sorry. Uh, the voice director for Dark Souls 1 and 2 and also does miscellaneous voices for Bloodborne. And there is a link to a behind the voice actors uh Link, which I didn't know was a website. Neither did I, and I'm very happy that that exists. Yeah, it's a neat idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bloodborne is Nico a pretty said, growly name. Yeah, Bloodborne growls a lot. Yeah. I, I could have swore that there were more than Nico said stuff. Because when you get when he gets down into the deep, he just kind of growls. But maybe it's uh, Vince hmm. uh, who like will will say, like, stay away or yeah. what have you. Vince is the J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. I, I'll have to go back and, and check them out. Yeah, I, um, I I can never differentiate the two of them. So. Yeah. Well, you know, they're they're very similar. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks, um, Take. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Take coming in again, hot for the actual responses on the uh, Cathedral of the Deep. Hot Takes. Takes. <laughs> hot Takes. Yep. <laughs> Do you want me to make a jingle for that? Hot Takes. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, so he says, uh, the deep is a concept that uh, the deep as a concept has always bothered me in Dark Souls 3. At first, I thought it was just a reference to the abyss, but now it seems like it's a reference to the deep sea or ocean. It just comes off as unnece- as an unnecessary late game entry that sorely lacks the background that the old chaos and the corrupting abyss had. Also, when I was playing through Dark Souls 3 in Japanese, I thought it was really cool that one of the bosses was named Eldritch. But when I finally beat the boss, the trophy popped up in English, and I found out that they spelled it Aldrich instead. Yeah. I yeah. I was not aware that, uh, I didn't stop to think that Aldrich sound, sounded like Eldritch. Yeah, I, I read something about that. Hmm. Uh, that was his name in, in Japanese. So it seems like that with the Deep Sea, like, I suppose that could be, like, a lot of people have just said the Deep Sea is, uh, references Bloodborne explicitly. 
mm-hmm. saying that like Bloodborne would be the next cycle. Um, I, I don't know about all that, but it could be an Easter egg, I guess, like having a boss named Eldrick that talks about the deep sea um, and that being a thing of Bloodborne. I would accept it as an Easter egg. It still feels like to me like uh, like a content, though, like a dangling thread yeah. from an earlier incarnation of the game. And then the more I think about it, the more that kind of explains like a lot of things, like how uh, fleshed out like the Eldrick Sullivan path of, uh, of the game is. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's very, very the focus for a lot of the game. <laughs> first, like more than the first half. Yeah. You know, and then, but the the character does not have significant importance in the second half of the game. Right. Which leads me to believe that the second half of the game might have been something that came later. Yeah, that um, like Eldrick was the face of something kind of like bigger that ran deeper than even just Sullivan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that was the idea. And maybe that's kind of why some of the stuff in the last half of the game like is narratively unsatisfying to me is that like it was never meant to carry the narrative weight that it does. Mm-hmm. I, that's all conjecture. There's nothing to really support that other than the fact that like it would make us, it would make some sense. Um, it doesn't, uh, there's no evidence though. Right. So we'll see. I mean, I guess like they, they can, there's nothing, I, I can't imagine them not being able to take all the ideas. If, if that's true and the deep sea was going to be a new direction for the series, I imagine they can, they can patch that up and explore that in the DLC. I think so. I hope so. Um, at least needs to be acknowledged mm-hmm. because again, like my worst nightmare, it's just like three DLCs. <laughs> there are the Artorias of the Abyss all over again. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know. think about like, just to draw a comparison, like Nishandra and kind of the, uh, the children of Manus were a little mm-hmm. bit of a uh, dangling thread in Dark Souls one, but like the, 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 what the three crowns, whatever the crowns yeah. trilogy, uh, and I like fleshed that out really, really nicely, you know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. possible they've, they've squared that circle in the past. Totally. Yeah, and I like that there are three of them. Like yes. that's really exciting because they're gonna have time to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, even if each is as big as you know, just as big as one of the crowns areas, which mm-hmm. are essentially just kind of like branches um, that you would find in the main game. Um, even with that size, I think they could do something really neat. Yeah. So I hope they do. Me too. Um, yeah. Ali says via contact. Uh, this area is one of the best design levels in the game. It also relies on shortcuts rather than a bunch of bonfires. Also features one of the hardest gauntlets. The path towards the cathedral proper after the hollow graveyard. On a low-level character uh, during my first playthrough, it was one of the first times I genuinely wanted a bonfire. I never felt that same sense of urgency in Dark Souls 3 after this point. The boss fight is average, but a better mob boss than most in the series. Overall, this level, alongside the Undead Settlement, might be my favorite in the game. Or are my favorite in the game. Yeah. Both of those are really strong. Like I, you know, going through this, you know, I, I think that what I need to do is just like take an intermediate like run to like see the rest of the game again. Yeah. Because I'm just kind of doing a couple of runs in tandem. I just need to take another one up through that because like I'm running into the, into the situation where I'm thinking like, oh, I mean, the undead settlement. That's great. That's a wonderful tapestry of design, et cetera. And then you get to this, like, this is great too. What I yeah. don't want is for this to be like the newest thing is always like, oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that will happen. Yeah. Like it is there there are uh later areas that are explicitly not as well designed right. as this one. Like I mean it depends on what you're looking at. Like this mm-hmm. is so when you think about the undead uh settlement, like I I like the way that level is designed an awful lot. Flavor-wise, it's nothing we haven't really seen before. Right. You know, like there's a couple little new wrinkles and stuff. And the later areas I think have tons of flavor, but they're never going to get like I think this is the peak of actual level design in yeah. the game. Not sure it gets better than this. Yeah. Um, as far as just kind of those like concentric circles and and secrets and side paths and stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of that in Lothric Castle, which I also really love. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of Lothric Castle, like playing through it in my most recent time, like there is a large portion of that is a straight line. 
Yep. Like that first loop you make <laughs> is just one big loop. You know, yeah. until you do that first bonfire and then it kind of breaks up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, this is a really, really well-designed area. For sure. Uh, Christopher writes via contact, once I finally made it inside the cathedral, I peeked over the edge um, and the sight of that sleeping giant made me catch my breath. My wife, who is typically disinterested in my games, looked over and asked, do you have to kill that? One of the best reveals in the series, in my opinion. Yeah, it is a great giant. Yeah. It's a great reveal. It's just a part of the building. <laughs> like they build yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah. How do, they, how do you get in there? <laughs> they raised from birth or they built the church around him. Hmm. I have no idea. I mean, that's what that's what we said about the uh, um, Titanite demon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that made you know the Titanite demon could probably squeeze. <laughs> this guy definitely isn't getting through any of those doors. Yeah. Um, Just you know. imagine wheeling him in like Baby Huey. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cranky. Um, yeah, I love going through. Uh, I did a little bit of sun brewing um, after in my last session. Uh, I was heading to the next area to Farron's Keep to refresh my memory. I did a little sun brewing and. Um, in the cathedral, uh, just for funsies. And uh, I love going ahead of uh, people who I'm playing with. And if they've unlocked the path, going and killing the giants for them. Because uh, it's, it's such a, like, they're so kind of trivial to fight. Yeah. And uh, it's just really nice to have them show up and not have the giants there and not have to deal with it. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. <laughs> um, even though, you know, you feel kind of bad because they're just, they're they're definitely subjugated people oh, yeah. uh, in this fiction, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, Sadi says via contact or Sadie. Uh, this is my first Souls game, and it was the Cathedral of the Deep that I uh, felt reached the astronomically lofty reputation of the series that I'd heard and read about from your podcast and around the internet. This place is awesome. I loved probing the perimeter high and low to find a way inside and slowly acquiring a mental blueprint of the Cathedral's anatomy. There's a whole spectrum of excitement and gameplay experiences here, from the screaming rush of the self-immolating cultist to the constant low-wavelength tension of the thud-footed zombies in the graveyard. I know exactly. Uh, I know exactly of the evangelist on top of the ladder that Gary was talking about in the Undead Settlement uh, episode. I lost lots of careful duels I had precariously set up against this gal. Progressing through this area by surveying the cathedral and slowly, incrementally understanding it was so much more compelling to me than the confusing architectural tedium of the catacombs of Carthus or Lower Smoldering Lake. In fact, I don't think the game gets this good again. It was an absolute thrill. I had played this, uh, played the game in fits and starts up to this point but took down the cathedral in one bloodshot all-nighter. Um, the only thing that seemed madder than continuing deeper into this nightmare was to stop playing. That's great. Yeah. I forgot to mention it again when we did the episode, but that uh, we didn't really talk about the uh, the evangelist up at the top of that ladder that I've mm. lost two more things than you know, any other creature in the game. <laughs> right. Um, no, like no, no, literally no exaggeration. Right. Um, and uh, I don't really know what it is, <laughs> but uh, even going back, I still have a hard time with her like i the first time i died like 10 times and then this last time i went back and i still died like four hmm. and like I, I know how to fight you i don't <laughs> understand what it is and i think um it's just there's nowhere to get out of the way of her like sweeps mm -hmm. so if you roll away you still get caught in them and they build up bleed really quick yeah like the other thing i'm trying to do with my luck build is stay stay light roll um for the game which is excruciating uh but because you know i take a lot more damage um, like it's this weird way that like poise doesn't matter, but I am taking more damage and I, the vi vitality investment to wear light armor is still crazy. Right. Um, so I just, I just take bleed damage really quickly. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Like it speaks to how variable a lot of this stuff is because I can't even picture where this, uh, where this evangelist is at. It's uh, it's right past the giant. 
Um, that little, like when you first go in to run past the giant, mm-hmm. there's that little, uh, uh, across the way, there's a guy with a crossbow okay. up on a little landing. If you go up to that landing, um, it's possible you didn't go up there. It's not like it's on, not on the critical path. Oh, it's I've kind of a there. hidden little room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, yep. There's an, there is an evangel- uh, evangelist yeah. up there. Yeah. It just didn't give me a big problem. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear a first time souls player talk about slowly acquiring the mental blueprint. You know, yeah. like I think it speaks to kind of like how classically designed this area is that they're kind of like getting that feeling from it. Yeah. You know, yeah, like they're not sure. just like looking forward or manufacturing it or getting like whiffs or fumes of it of something that, you know, kind of is only tangentially like designed around that. This is like a classic ass level. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Joseph writes via contact saying. I was very excited going to uh, going into the Cathedral of the Deep, firstly because the name sounded so ominous and Lovecraftian, and secondly because Dark Souls has visited cathedrals in the past, but never really explored the corrupt church trope before. Although Bloodborne is a thing that happened, I guess. And boy, <laughs> did it deliver. The area has very uh, has a very high density of Great Souls designs. The self-immolating cultists, leech abominations, mangrubs, and that accursed wolf spider thing are all amazing monsters. But the great visuals don't stop at the monsters. The art book has this two-page spread of the boss room, and the design of Aldrich's coffin is just so delightfully creepy. But Rosaria's chamber takes the cake. Those suspended cradles gave me the heebie-jeebies. They act as a great piece of environmental storytelling. Was there an orphanage here before Aldrich developed a taste for human, uh, for a taste for man meat, um, or did the cathedral collect and breed children to be devoured by him? I can only assume that Henri and Horace escaped from this very room, which makes the visual both unnerving and tragic. Yeah, yeah, I'll. Good, good observations. Yeah. Um, I didn't link uh, Henri and Horace to this room in particular. And I like the idea of like Rosaria being like the like the nursery tender almost, yeah. especially like, hey, we're going to protect the children. They're, they're never going to die because we have this power of rebirth or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, until Aldrich well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, you know, it's, 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 she's just a refrigerator. It's not a, <laughs> yeah. She's uh, yeah, just keeping the, you know, it's, it's the right vintage, right? Yeah. yeah. She's a humidor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really great. I love the the uh, cradles on the ceiling because there's no practical purpose for that. It's just unnerving. Like yeah. it's like a spot of um, like distorted space haunted house. Yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You know, like oh, like that just shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the wall of chairs. Yeah, t- exactly. Which I, I just you know I I react really strongly to that, even though it makes <laughs> no fucking sense. <laughs> right. You know, and presumably Mangrubs built this I mean, thing, or you know somebody <laughs> may put this here. I mean, e- and, e- uh, even though, or precisely because it makes no sense. Well, yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't fit the narrative. It's just unnerving. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's like a rule of cool kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, you know, it, but it's a rule of cool thing I, I respond to. Yep. Um, so I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert says by contact. Oh dear. The cathedral of the deep. Even after going to fair and keep, I found this place intense from the weird graveyard full of nonstop hollows and some that vomit leeches to the end, uh, with two cathedral knights and the deacons supporting them. The worst part is, uh, that damn braille tome you find in the mimic. When I turned it into Irina and found she could teach me uh, Naw, I got excited and bought it from her, despite the eerie warning, because in the Undead Settlement, it really fucked me up. You can imagine my disappointment when I found out the spell was mediocre at best. To make things worse, I ended up uh, harming and corrupting the sweetest NPC in the game. I eventually, with all regret, put down her guarding companion. Uh, with sorrow, I returned to the cathedral where you get that cursed tome and put a Be Wary of Miracles uh, sign on the ground near the entrance to that room hoping that I can keep someone else from making the same mistake I did. How kind of you. 
Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah. Um, there are other yeah. worlds than these. I ended up uh, doing pretty well with with Gnaw. Gnaw and Dorhees Gnaw. Um, <laughs> I like those spells. Uh, but it's I was really hard up for... This was like a, a build that I tried to make miracle-focused, and miracles are trash yeah. in this game for the most part. So my lightning bolts were doing like 97 damage, so I was just <laughs> happy that something that could sometimes proc bleed. Um, so and I and I didn't uh, in that that was when I was so bitter about Irina's quote unquote good ending. It was because it was on that character that I did it, thinking mm. that there would be something else to it. Like I hadn't totally spoiled the quest line for myself. Oh yeah. And I was like, I'm denying myself spells I want. <laughs> like I didn't get gnaw until later. I got uh, Dorhis gnaw in uh, in Irithyll, and uh, you know I, I I could have used that extra power since my miracles were so garbage. Yeah. And uh, denying myself that power was for no reason. Hmm. So. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it is, it is a, it is sad that she gets corrupted. Yeah, like that is, uh, that is very good. Yeah. Uh, Franz writes via contact. I'll skip forward to my favorite part of the cathedral patches. For me, he was one of the pieces of fan service, uh, the pieces of fan service that really worked. I was fooled by his disguise and amazingly bad acting for a couple of seconds. After that, I spend his entire monologue giggling. So did I fall for his trap? Of course I did. Being tricked by patches is like being tricked by a little kid. I know he's up to something, but I just indulge him. I'd feel bad disappointing him if I didn't. Besides, I was curious about the payoff. Patches is perfectly positioned for this. After the meat grinder that is most of the cathedral, I've gotten used to letting go of a couple of souls. Absolutely. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but it is it is a good bit of timing, although it might just be insult on injury. I think it depends yeah. on your patience. Well, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to die to that giant. Like, again, we you know, talked about the giants being, unless you're just like totally taken by surprise. The way it's, the way it's set up is like the giant gets a free hit on you, which might mm-hmm. be like that, like that, you know, unless you're really, really canny with a dodge that can probably put you at a real, real, uh, uneven footing. Yeah. If you're not at full, full hit points too. Yeah. When you head down there, there hasn't been like a patches trap that has been as bad as the bloodborne one. <laughs> like that's, that's the nastiest he is. Well, he pushes like, you, that, not, he pushes you face yeah. first of the worst enemies in the game. Yeah. Like that, that's nasty patches. Like that's, that's the worst patches. This patches is, is more or less okay. <laughs> and every patch is previous. Well, I don't have any problem. Like I don't consider patches to be fan service either. Like, you know, you get, it, it's the no Gary's allowed club or no homers, <laughs> you know, like you get one. <laughs> uh you know it is uh because patches like it just that feels like tradition the the time know? for us to be angry about patches was would be if we had played demon souls when it first came out and like rolling our eyes playing dark souls one exactly you know and even then it would be like one little blip yeah you know and it wouldn't be that big a deal well i mean in addition to the poison swamp and the yeah <laughs> yeah 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 well exactly like it's not it's it seems like uh, on paper, maybe it seems like it's a hard distinction to make, but I don't, mm-hmm. I think that it isn't. No, I, I think, think that, that most people understand why, like, it's not bothersome that there's always a poison swamp, <laughs> you know, as opposed to just like a copy of a character, Yeah, you know, which is, is pretty different. And like having a crestfallen guy and having patches is not explicitly bad <laughs> to me. Like those feel like allowable traditions, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's just uh, indulging when a game is all tradition. Mm-hmm. That's when that's when it starts getting a little bit frustrating. Yeah, he's but definitely I, I, he's really I grandfathered in. Yeah, he's grandfathered in, and he's so well executed in this. <laughs> like he's so fun, and it's so funny that like it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love uh, unsinkable. Like that. That's a really, like that's his name now. Oh, unbreakable. Yeah. I think I thought it was unsinkable. I, th- I think it's unbreakable. I think he's like Kimmy Schmidt. Well, let's find out. Uh, real quick, I'm just, uh, I just I want to. <laughs> yep, it's unbreakable patches. Why did I think it was unsinkable? Probably because of the deep. 
or, or because of the unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> Maybe. Um, the, uh, they're very similar in some ways. She was always pushing people into the buffet bar and like pushing people into rowboats so she, so she didn't have to, uh, so she could save their lives. Um, Bo says via contact. As I move through the Cathedral of the Deep, uh, occasionally throwing my controller across the room after being thoroughly uh, smashulant, yes, uh, I noticed something strange about the Cathedral's ecology. While enemies like the priests, knights, and grave wardens seemed right at home, uh, the church's abundance of slimes and the presence of slave giants was puzzling at first. However, moving forward into later areas, and after that, thinking back to the depths of the first game, made me realize how the slimes, giants, and pools of sludge at the cathedral's bottom floor all fit together with the clergy. In the depths, as in other areas, the slime enemies congregate in places with plenty of human remains. Down there, they can be found absorbing the table scraps of the sewer's cannibals. In the cathedral, however... They're found primarily in the shallow, corpse-filled pits that, at the feet of the giants. We know Aldric is another notorious cannibal, as well as uh, the church regularly carted people to him in order to sate his hunger. When I first learned this, I figured that individuals were thrown virgin into volcano style into Aldric's groupie form. But eventually, I put two and two together and realized the unique utility of the cathedral's pools. Essentially, that area of the church is used as a massive blender. Being the amorphous uh, turd that he is, it's unlikely Aldric is much of a chewer. It's <laughs> uh, a good sentence. Uh, to remedy this, the church's deacons uh, repurposed the cathedral floor so they could pile bodies in the water and have the giants stop them up, stomp them up like meaty grapes and deliver the resulting corpsey uh, smoothie slurry wine over to Aldric's coffin. Uh, anyway, just thought this was a very cool, very unique example of environmental uh, <laughs> world building and figured it deserved to be brought up uh, to you guys. Uh, just try not to think about it next time you head to Smoothie King. <laughs> So, good. so, well, I don't know if you're making fun of us. Yes. <laughs> no, this is fantastic. It's, it's very, I don't know if specifically like the giants are there to cr crush people like grapes, but that's very funny it's, and it's possible. It's funny think, and plausible. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about why the slimes are there. Like they're attracted mm -hmm. to human remains. Yeah. Um, even though like I can, I can, I think I can say at this point, I'm kind of officially tired of fighting those things. Oh yeah. Like anything that just has insane physical resistance. Mm hmm and it's just like, well, I just had to apply a buffer, use a bunch of firebombs. I ran get... out of patience for that in Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. Yeah, with the fucking uh, flans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sick of these guys. But it is, uh, I'm glad they don't show up very often after it's, this. It's good that they've taken a bit of a break. Like, they had a little bit of a comeback, like a comeback track in the uh, Chalice Dungeons. But, like, they were nowhere, oh. nowhere to be seen in Dark Souls 2. Yeah. You know, so like having one drop on me at least was like a nice little, oh, hey, buddy, you're back. Um, yeah, the, kind of the, thing. the dropping ones, like the ambush ones, I think are okay if I think of them as traps. But that <laughs> that pool by the giant you have to run through where there's just like 60 of them. <laughs> and it's just like if you want to get those items and not don't want to get hit, stun locked by the giant, it's just it's real tedious to clear them out. Yeah. Like, there's just a little bit too much. Like it's a little copy pasty. Yeah. You know. Andy writes in via contact saying, I really enjoyed the Cathedral of the Deep. This was important since I just recently played Lost Isolith and the Demon Ruins in Dark Souls 1, which was a miserable experience. Stumbling on Sleeping Giants is one of the few times that the game actually re reminded me of the Dragon's Dogma expansion. Dark Arisen was such an homage to Dark Souls, I wonder if there was some kind of cyclical influence going on. There's a palpable tension and creeping up, wondering if you could sneak past or make a mad dash past them. I did resort to cheesing them, uh, to cheesing one of them with, with arrows, but hey, at this point, that's part and parcel of these games, like it or not. I found the deacons to be a little bit of a disappointment. 
just a mob of slow moving, um, slow, slow to attack enemies uh, that went down very easily on the first attempt. Maybe that was appropriate to my experience, though, um, as the whole area was a fairly gentle walk for me. I was surprised to hear Gary describe it as a meat grinder, when I would definitely apply that term to a bunch of other areas first. Maybe I was overleveled or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm I'm not trying to make an argument uh via population or anything, but like <laughs> I think I think a lot of people consider this area to be like a pretty big difficulty spike. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm alone in that. Yeah, but much like um, your ladder evangelist, like it can be Yeah, it, it just know, depends. Selectively applied. Like there's not yeah. really like that much of a gimmick to this place. Like if you're you know if you're really accustomed to doing like a like a straight up, you know, souls kind of kind of level where you're fighting a lot of kind of regular regular ass souls enemies, this might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, like the, the thing that the difficulty spikes are all the smash elons and slash elons, yeah. uh, which I, I think are, you know, still pretty tricky to fight. Um, you know, the, the rafters are definitely the hardest area of this, mm -hmm. but even, uh, kind of making your way through, it was still, yeah. uh, pretty tricky. Grave wardens are tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. Specifically the grave wardens and, uh, the assassins that, that ambush you on the outside. I think that run from graveyard to the back door is, yeah, uh, is still the hardest. It's very thing. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, and it's, it's cool if you didn't think it was hard. That's fine too. <laughs> I mean, there's, there'll be areas that I don't think are hard that I'm sure you did. Um, but the, uh, yeah, that did not, not bother me. There's one area I think is harder later, but I I've talked about that and it's because I missed a shortcut Yeah, and the shortcuts are, are fewer and far between. Yes. Um, but yeah, I had a, had a tricky, tricky time with it and also cheese the giants with arrows. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Mostly because I just wanted to see, you know, I didn't know that I was going to be able to get down there and I wanted to be able to explore the area. Mm -hmm. like uh it's more with that giant again in that la later area but like i want to be able to take a look at this i don't want to wait and come back when i can kill the giant mm -hmm. that like uh bothers my sense of of roombaing i guess <laughs> so you don't want to leave a bookmark exactly yeah i don't want to put an asterisk here and and, and go back i want to just explore the area chunk by chunk so sometimes i will cheese the giant <laughs> um yeah. i wish they had made the giants a little bit easier to fight on their like eye level yeah yeah you know i don't want them to be like super slow you know god of war style <laughs> uh giants but i wish they were just like a little bit uh them is a little bit more plausible yeah um so uh david says fine contact uh zen meditation dark soul style get yourself a big weapon uh the great club is my personal favorite and head on over to the deacons let them get into a nice big group and then let all your troubles wash away in a sea of squashed enemies my only regret is that we don't have bonfire aesthetics to experience this joy at will or aesthetics he said aesthetics <laughs> but it's aesthetics um yeah yeah um, it's easy. It's a, uh, it's candle put bowling. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the, uh, the winged halberd is really good for these guys. They have those big sweeps. Yeah. You do the, the spin it to win it thing. <laughs> I imagine the, um, uh, if you fought the optional boss that you can fight in the, uh, in Lothric wall, mm -hmm. um, and got the weapon from, from that boss soul that oh also has gosh. like a wide, I bet you, you could just like literally just go like, do, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. do like that scene from serenity or whatever that fight scene <laughs> Yeah. Or a river just goes nuts. Yeah. 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 That'd be pretty fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Jesse writes in with another deacon hack. Uh, the deacons are a fun fight because you can equip the Pontus left eye ring and quick and uh, quick hitting weapon like the paired swords or daggers from the road of sacrifices and tank a surprising amount of damage just by going to town on them. Dual wielding weapons will also uh, will trigger the left eye regen uh, within a couple of hits and it counts a hit for every enemy uh, that your swing catches. So if you're in the middle of a crowd swinging away, any damage that you take will be healed back up pretty instantly. Your stamina is the big limiter here, of course, and if you try to keep up the attack when you don't have any, you're going to get stunlocked and killed. But once you have the rhythm down, it's a good time. 
It's not a terribly difficult fight, but it's cool to see a take on the giant mob of enemies boss that lets you uh, be the whirling dervish of destruction you've always wanted to be, uh, but still has enough going on that it's not a phalanx or congregation style stomp. Yeah. I had to pause to think about what the congregation was. I completely forgot about congregation. I think, yeah, it's very similar to this, actually. Yeah. Like, it's it's a it's a more close touchstone than the the phalanx yeah. or the royal rat vanguard yeah it's um, uh like like the 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 second phase of this is very congregation-y yeah it's explicitly a church full of weirdos <laughs> the um yeah the left eye ring i equipped that when i read the description because it sounds awesome yes but in a normal playthrough it almost never procs mm-hmm. and like if you're doing this the strategy i'm not saying the strategy wouldn't work but like i feel like this would work better with poise because every time i kind of just like i i was really aggressive with these guys but every time i just kind of got in the middle of them like, I would get stunned out of shit. Yeah. And I can imagine that happening whether I have stamina or not. It'd be really satisfying to just, like, cut a line through them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steven says, via contact. My first encounter with the Deacons of the Deep. I love them. Using a fair and great sword, I was able to swing through them with reckless abandon, knocking Deacons left and right. This is what they had intended with Skeleton Lords, the Royal Rat Vanguard, and the Celestial Emissary. It was the best group fight I've ever had in a Souls game. Then I returned as a Pyromancer. Fuck the red light, always choosing the fat deacons. Fuck the chosen deacon moving to the back of the pack. Fuck the big guy getting healed when he gets low. And fuck the curse aura that returns way too frequently. This fight was the worst experience I had as a caster. It wasn't that I couldn't do enough damage or that I couldn't tank enough. I simply couldn't target the right enemy and couldn't hit him when I did. I've gotten better at the fight uh, since then, but I've never quite forgiven the deacons for that second impression. That just makes me think how nightmarish this would be if you were playing as an archer. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be. I mean, yeah, because they're they're just gonna be you know bodyguards, yeah, like human shields. Um, I would think with a with a pyromancer with group effect, like a area effect, you might be mm-hmm. okay. Um, the, but, like the, those those spells are so limited. Though. Well, although I guess yeah. you have like mana here, you could probably yeah, depending on how that, you yeah. you spec, and then but then you're making the trade off yeah for that. It's I'm kind of surprised by how much uh kind of dislike is being thrown at that uh the uh, skull skull lords and uh, royal Vat, Rat vanguard. In relation to this, I don't and then somebody brought phalanx earlier too, and like I like the phalanx fight. Yeah, I don't, I don't get like necessarily necessarily dislikes. I think this is the uh, this is the closest thing, and we even said during the episode like this is a good this is a good evolution of those group fights. You yeah, know? It, it totally is. I just didn't think those were like super bad or anything like that. Like right. it's not doesn't feel that different than like the the Royal Vanguard to me. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're all on screen, you know. But it's a really similar fight. Mm-hmm to that um there's a couple of wrinkles like the things that make it interesting to me are not being able to mow down a bunch of guys because i could do that in any of the <laughs> above boss fights right it's just the uh the weird curse thing and then the uh the actually like the healers and stuff like mm-hmm. the fact that the priority target changes yeah is the most innovative part to me and the mm-hmm. curse aura yeah thing other than that like i've, I've waded into a bunch of dudes and and, and <laughs> slashed them up um mm-hmm. you know a bunch of times in these games and it always feels good you know not just like white knight for skeleton lords or anything, <laughs> no. but like, yeah, it I, is, uh, I agree with you. I just, I don't know. I don't know the people who are writing in disagree. Yeah. yeah. I just, those are fights that I've heard a lot of like kind of disparaging. Oh, like people don't bummer. like yeah. those fights. Um, it's the first time I've heard someone say something bad about failings and that, that's a cool fight. <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's so hard to get a like to get a sense because oftentimes like our heuristic is to like group all this stuff. Like, Oh, people don't like dark souls too, because it has so many armored knight enemies. Okay. Or yeah. bosses. Right. And then just like, it seems like you could make that kind of statement about anything like, oh, too many group fights, too many, oh, it's a couple of dudes fights. Like, I don't know what the platonic ideal of a 
Dark Souls boss fight for like the people that we are talking about is. And by the people, yeah. I mean the people who are wrong, who make sweeping generalizations that we're making sweeping <laughs> generalizations about. It's just, it's hard to chase that and say like, here's what the general opinion is, you know? Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't actually know, know either. Yeah. Like I'm into in each of those games, like even Celestial Emissary, which is like not a great fight. I'm into them because they're, they're break things up. Like there isn't a Dark Souls game that has a lot of these group fights, you know, and when they show up, it's always like, oh, this is interesting. You yeah. know, I guess that's, that's what it's different than the, the rest of the fights. I also mm-hmm. am, I think generally like not as interested in a fight being hard mm-hmm. as a marker for being good. So when people talk about those fights as being bad, a lot of times they're just saying they're easy. Yeah. I mean, you I know? don't think that Pinwheel is a bad boss fight. No, no, no. He's he's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like I wish that you fought him earlier mm-hmm. when he could be a little bit trickier, but he's still a really cool concept. Yeah. Has amazing music that nobody'll ever get to hear because you can hit him, you can two-shot <laughs> him. Um, you know, things like that. Like I'm into the flavor of those fights. You know, and then the same thing happened with Mikalash, even though like I, you know, thought Mikalash was really easy and I heard that, but then I heard tons of people say that he's the hardest boss in the game and <laughs> none of none of it is objective. Right. Like there's no video game series. Like people aren't talking about like Zelda bosses that same way, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, th- this is, is so subjective. Yeah. So who knows? Um, and finally, Smith writes in via context saying, although the Cathedral of the Deep was my favorite area of the game aesthetics wise, I have to critique the area for its level design. After defeating the Deacons of the Deep and then promptly losing my ember, I spent the next two hours looking for the next area while stubbornly ignoring the Internet. When I finally caved and had my uh, when I finally caved in, I had my first real sigh in my playthrough. Finding uh, my resolution was in another castle. I imagine my experience was akin to getting lost in the grocery store as a child and going to the front desk after failing to spot your parents. Did this happen to you? The cathedral part, not the grocery store part. That's that's pretty apt. <laughs> um, I went I went to I went the other way first. Me too. Um, I went to Farron's first. Um, yeah, I, this, I don't think, like, I think this is, is a place where Dark Souls 3 world design really falls down. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about that a lot, but I hate that you just have to go to this one little dead end to continue down. Like it's, I get it because you you know, you think this is going to be the end of a spoke mm-hmm. and, but the rest of the world is not really designed like that. Right. You know, it feels like, a, it feels inconsistent. Yeah. And you know, like just, just like the, uh, the skeletons in the graveyard, like a lot of this game positions itself to make you blame yourself if there's a problem like it couldn't be the game's fault you know it's you get good or whatever like no like uh, this has been built up there must be something i need to do at least the other way like there's a big invisible wall (laughs) yeah that tells you to go there but like it's very plausible that there is just like something that you missed in this kind of busy environment you know down yeah yeah it it feels like that because it is such a huge environment that like it makes sense to think that there was another way around the church's thing from the mm-hmm. outside. Also, like that invisible wall, would it have been such a bad thing if somebody, I mean, like, narratively, like you have to look for Aldrich here. Mm-hmm. But like if you end up coming back here the same way you end up going down to the um, the profane capital later, mm-hmm. like if this was just like a little offshoot and you can do it in whatever order you want, what would be lost? <laughs> you know, I guess other than like, you know, you, you want to be, when you get to Irithyll, they want you to be leveled as if you've done all these areas. Yeah. But like it just, it feels like, uh, you know, I wish that there was a little bit more nonlinearity to it. I mean, the way to the do end. that is to is to make the entrance to Irithyll kind of like the uh, the Winter Shrine. 
Yeah. You know, and I mean, that, that that's a little ways down the spoke, but at least it's like closer, closer in and you have a bigger, you have a better chance of like seeing it and being bounced off of it, but knowing that that is like, Hey, and, you know, again, put a bookmark here, come back later and then just make all three of these. Um, yeah, what if they, yeah, well, they're all spokes. Like what if from the, uh, the road of sacrifices, you could head over to Farron's keep, which you can do, but you could also head over to the catacombs of Carthus mm-hmm. from there. And you could head over to this and you were, you were going to go seek those different lords and then also, uh, Hey, I'm Carthus. I'm here too. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm a boss. The, uh, <laughs> and you go you go uh, seek him as well, and then once you've done all three, then you can go through the daily. Yeah, you know that would have felt a little bit less like you're just like more, fewer people would have this experience because uh, Smith, you're not the first person who's like had that experience. No, who's no, really bummed out by that. I mean, and what we're saying is we are loser white knights who just want this to be Dark Souls two again. Exactly. Well, no, it just it it is uh, it feels weird. <laughs> you know, it feels weird to have like this one glowing door on the critical path. That's essentially a straight line. Yeah. As opposed to all the other games where there's like, you go do the four things, you know, there's a, there's a wall, like the, there's more than one of them, you know, in, in Demon Souls, there's more than one of those walls and they tell you what you need to, to pass it. And it makes sense. The way around this is kind of sloppy because what I imagine is you beat the, uh, you beat the deacons and then you kind of go back to Firelink to use their souls or whatever. And then it's kind of banking on you noticing that, uh, Henri and Horus are up there yeah. and saying, Hey, there's this, there, there's this other way. I think they, maybe even they specifically say, um, we, you know, we have to, we have to go through Farron or something like that. But like, I don't know, like Firelink, it's hard to see when somebody new shows up there. If I'm not, if I don't know to look for them. Right? No, it's, it's visually, it's hard to, hard to see. Yeah. I think, and I think they just say that he's an Aerithil. I don't know if they say that you have to go through Farron's Keep. Yeah, Maybe they yeah. do. I, I could be wrong about that, but it is, uh, it is very weird, and it is. Uh, you can explain away tons of stuff by convergy wordiness, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I w- <laughs> that doesn't smooth over like just bad, frustrating design that could give somebody two hours of a bad experience. Totally, and and again, stressing world design because it's like the level design. No, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's so interesting to me when people were talking about Dark Souls three, and they were like what we want is a return to the big open world and we want this complex level design mm-hmm. and you get half of that. Right. You know, like, cause the, the level design is, is in full force and is back and it's super, super cool. Yeah. It's just the world design. I can't say that it is better mm-hmm. than any other entry in the series. Yeah. You know, it like feels like this still feels tied for kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh, as far as world design for, you know, like everything. Right. You know, at least, at least make it like, at least demon souls was just upfront about it. You know? Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anywho, um, thanks everybody for mm-hmm. uh, for your responses. If you have anything to say about Farron's Keep, go ahead and hit us up at deckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Um, we can announce the guest now oh, that that's been verified. Yes, we can. I'm very excited yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, Austin Walker from uh, formerly of Giant Bomb, uh, starting a new gaming website with Vice. That's breaking news. Some people will just hear that the first time right now, probably. <laughs> probably not. But um, you, you probably already know. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited to have Austin. Yes. Uh, like, um, he, he, uh, comes very highly requested and I enjoy the dude and his writing and his podcast stuff. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Like he is i I'm not like a big, I'm not a giant bomb guy, mm-hmm. but the things I like about giant bomb when someone sent me a clip, like I like him a lot and mm-hmm. I like his writing a lot. Yes. Um, so, and I'm really excited too, because he was very, uh, like this is the area he wanted and he was very sure about that. <laughs> so I'm really curious to hear, uh, what he has to say about Farron's keep. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts about that, uh, please write in to, uh, it's at a uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. And, uh, you know, the usual three rules apply, um, concise, novel, readable. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you like the show, you can, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. You can also support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. 
Uh, give us a couple of bucks a month. That's a big help. And uh, if you like this show, we think that you will like other shows that we do as well. Yes, we uh, do a show called Watch Out for Fireballs. We mentioned it last time, but there are some other shows on the network too, like Abject Suffering, which is a comedy show about bad video games. Yeah, absolutely. That is, uh, and that's very fun to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monster on My Podcast, which is a very, very short, like bite-sized show that comes out three times a week. Mm-hmm. That is about the Monstrous Manual, the second edition D&D Monstrous Manual, entry by entry, um, which is... That's as fun as it sounds. Um, the uh, Yeah, and then a bunch of other shows about video games, indie yeah. shows, uh, comedy shows, things like that. Yeah. You can see everything we have on offer if you go to duckfeed.tv. Yeah, there's a whole big grid there with uh, with everything we do. And uh, we'd love it if you checked it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't think we have much in the way of deleted scenes here. Um, I don't so... think so, unless you have any you can send me. No, I, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was uh, got down to business, uh, which is, you know, unfortunately is going to happen more and more as a... Uh, as we do more shows, but it is net <laughs> positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you guys very much. And uh, until next time, um, let the deep consume you. Yes. And so becomes our destination. Yes. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Yeah, uh, lo- looking at the uh, the Henri dialogue, it does say mm-hmm. the uh, Pilgrim told me that the city lies beyond Fair and Keep, and so oh. it becomes our destination. But still, like, yeah. just, uh, yeah, they really hide them away in that corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you have to, like, that's not something NPCs do, mm-hmm. and Dark Souls will tell you where to go next, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll tell you quest line stuff, but it's pretty yeah. rare that someone says, here's the critical path, except for, your, like, your guide character. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, like, the Emerald Herald does that. Right. But, yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm going to...